have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, the court will appoint you one. Welcome everyone to the Divorce Dad Diaries, and I'm your host, Stéphane Jutra. I hope you all had an amazing week and amazing past couple of weeks, because I think the last episode was a couple of weeks ago. Now, on this side, it's been pretty cold. Uh, winter has been, uh, it's been cold here in Canada, as it always is. But this winter was a bit milder at the beginning, so we thought maybe we escaped that. And we got a bunch of snow. But at the same time as I'm recording this episode, also I know uh, Texas and a lot of uh, the southern states got uh, actually impacted with the snow and saw snow for a lot of snow for a long while. So it's always nice to see the pictures. But I guess uh, as I was discussing with some friends down there and not having the infrastructure to deal with that makes everything a lot more difficult. So I hope everyone out there is safe and uh, I know there's problem with heating, electricity, and even water, because some pipes are bursting and things like that. And even driving around is, is a challenge uh, with not being able to clean the streets. So I really hope uh, everybody's safe and everything is going to get a bit better and that it will eventually just become a nice memory of seeing some white snow and uh, not too much damage on that side. So this week, as you heard from the clip just playing at the beginning of the show, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. I mean, usually those are the words that you hear uh, in movies. In uh, you know, you have the police, the cops that make an arrest, and those are the first word they say. But also, I think it's something kind of wise to remember when you start thinking about a divorce and separation. It's something that we don't always think about. And I know at the beginning when I was uh, in that position, I didn't really think about that. But obviously, you know, everything you do and say at that point or if you text you send or anything can come back and haunt you eventually. Especially if the relationship with their spouse is not that great. It's always a bit of a pain when you don't realize what you put or what you said or what you wrote comes back to kind of haunt you uh, when you try to go to mediation or even when you talk to lawyers or eventually when you go to court. So of course, I mean, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't send any emails or talk to your spouse during that. Of course not. But I think it's important to be kind of smart about it. Every communication that you do, I think as a suggestion I would give, because again, I was in that position, is to have that documented. Just keep it for future reference. And even if it's text, I mean, everything that's said, sometimes you don't think about it. You send a text here and there, but all those things I think are good to keep in a safe place just in case, as probably the other spouse is doing as well. So again, it's a matter of documenting what you do. So what made me talk about this? It's actually an, a post I saw on Instagram for one of my followers, and it kind of really caught my eyes because it was talking about text, email, or call. So when you, when you text your spouse, when do you email your spouse, or when do you call? Obviously, it depends on the situation. So at the beginning of the divorce and you starting to, you know, to uh, when you separated and you start to talk to mediators and things like that, and it's starting, there's a lot of things that have to be communicated between the two parties. And again, they can be through text, email, or call. But I think it's also not a good idea to see when it, those things can be used. It can also be a double-edged sword. That's why you have to be careful 
uh, like I said just before, is whatever you say will also stay. So you have to be careful what you what you actually communicate and what you put in your text. And uh, you know, sometimes things are better just said in person than written down. For example, I mean, I have a good friend of mine that's been going through a very very tough divorce. He has two younger kids, and really, it's not going that well. There's a lot of parental alienation and also conflicts between the two parents. So at one point, uh, that friend of mine decided that he would send an email to his ex telling her about a dream he had. And that actual dream was that he saw her dying. <laughs> so so he put that in an email saying, you know what, I dreamed about you uh, last night and you you were dying or you were, I don't know, you were dead or something like that. And basically put that in an email and sent it to her. So um, yeah, when he mentioned that to me and to another friend that was with me, kind of looked at each other and, you know, those are the kind of things I guess that uh, maybe are better kept uh, to yourself or maybe said in person if you want. But that's the kind of thing that I don't think it added any value to, uh, to put it in an email or even in a text. That's just an example of things to, to be careful because again, this is an email and I'm sure... His ex is, uh, had printed that email and probably keeping it closed. So that doesn't really help anybody on that front. In my case, most of the communication was done via text. And the good thing is, I mean, nowadays the text is actually uh, stored in your phone and you can keep the history, depending on the settings on your phone, you can keep the history forever. So the text actually, uh, all the history stays in your phone until you delete them. And there's even software if you want to extract those texts and you can print them actually if you want to document them. And when you do backups of your phone, those texts are also backed up. So that's a good thing for that. So this can always be documented and you can always go back to see what was said between you and your spouse and your ex-spouse. So at least you can keep track of that part. It's actually very interesting that it's something that we don't really think much at the beginning, but really something that's very important. Like I was saying, there's a lot of things that are done and said during that time, but really only what is written that stays, especially the communication. And like I said, especially if the relationship is not that great. Email is also a very good way to communicate. And in my opinion, probably one of the best one, just because, I mean, you can actually spend some time thinking about what you want to put in the email and structure it and send it finally. And it's a lot easier than sending text. So you have time to kind of look over it and just make sure what you put in is what you want to say. And also, obviously, it's great, uh, usually used as well to, if you have to share documents or things that are a bit more elaborate than, than in a text, obviously, you don't want to write like pages and pages in text. It gets a bit painful. So emails are great for that. And also to keep the history, you have the back and forth in there. The good thing, too, is you can print those emails as well uh, pretty easily. So you don't even need software, just print them straight out and often those are also used by both parties and is documented and can be shared easily so we can forward emails back and forth with documents and things so emails are also a good way to communicate and again probably the best way and i know that sometimes it's not easy to communicate with the other spouse so also by using email you can also copy some people copy their lawyers if they want to have a you know a response because sometimes you might send emails and you don't get anything back so uh, they copy their lawyers or they copy a, a third party, at least, or the mediator. That kind of helps track what's happening and also sometimes puts a little bit of pressure on the other person to respond. And also, you know, have kind of a third eye on that and 
a more kind of a, a non-biased view of what's happening uh, uh, during the discussion. So some people do that. Every email that's, that are sent, are they copy their lawyers. But one thing to keep in mind, obviously, is if you copy your lawyer on all the emails you send and involve them in uh, all the discussions and arguments that you have, they will charge you by email. So it can go up pretty fast on that front. So that's why I would probably uh, suggest to just, you know, certain topic, you can do that. Things that are important, maybe, but uh, I don't think it's wise or smart to copy every email on that front. Again, that's just my opinion <laughs> on that. So that's uh, that's for the email. And the last thing is a phone call. So when you call, if I look at myself, we didn't really communicate much by phone calls. And I think the reason is also it's a more direct way. So maybe if there's something urgent to talk about or having a more lengthy discussion kind of back and forth, it's probably the best way of communication. You know, if you don't want to have a trail of 200 emails, sometimes just picking up the phone and talk about it is good. The only bad thing is that it's not documented. So whatever you say over the phone is not. There are software to be able to record your phone conversation. You have to be careful because uh, it depends on the laws in your country or even your, your part of the world. I don't know. Some allow that, some don't. And, you know, some is limited on one side if the, the other person is aware or not aware. So I wouldn't recommend that, but it's something that people uh, can do. And in some courts, you could even bring those as... I guess, proofs or arguments in court as well. But again, like I said, it really depends on where you are. So before recording anything, I would just make sure that it, it's something legal. And at least, I mean, you can let the other person uh, know as well that you're recording. There's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes maybe the conversation a bit more, uh, <laughs> a bit more civilized when you know that you actually recorded, that might help on that front. Also might be the other side where the other person doesn't want to talk to you because they're recorded. So all that said, uh, if I look at my experience, I didn't really call my ex that much on that front. It was more through emails and a lot of text. So that was mostly the communication channel that we're using. And like I said, calls are mostly for emergency. If you had a meeting or something and it couldn't work, you obviously pick up the phone and call for that. So that's, uh, that's what was used. That's pretty much that part for, you know, during the separation and divorce. And obviously the, you know, the email, text and call doesn't stop there. And it's not only about the divorce. If you have kids, throughout though, even after the divorce, it still continues. You still have to communicate with your ex most of the time, especially if you have kids. If you have no kids, I mean, the communication can be probably at a minimum. But if you have kids, I guess you'll probably always have to communicate with the other parent at some point. So same thing there. I think the same rules apply. The texts are good for short question and answer and there's no time limit on that. So I think that's a good thing to use text. So if you have kids and things like that, you want to send a quick text about something that, that happened or something that changed or maybe something scheduled that changed. So, so that's good for that. The emails, again, for documents, sometimes, you know, report cards. If you have documents on your side, I'd have to share with your spouse, uh, taxes and things like that, or sometimes longer communication as well. Same thing. If something is wrong and you want to maybe write something a bit longer than a text. Obviously, email is, is a lot better for that. So that's for the emails. And for the calls, again, the calls usually uh, people, and what I do too, is usually used for uh, urgent matters. And in case of emergency, you know, something happens to your kids at school or something, you know, something happens and the surgeon and you have to communicate with the other person. Obviously, phone calls are better in that way when it's time sensitive, definitely. 
And sometimes as well, when there's misunderstandings and that happens sometimes, you text, email, and still goes, doesn't go through. So pick up the phone and actually talk to their person, which sounds easy, but again, it's all based on how the relationship is with your your ex. If you're kind of still friendly, I mean, it's easy to pick up the phone and talk about it. If it's not that friendly, it's a bit harder. So uh, maybe the text and email are the preferred choice uh, of communication. But like I said, it always end up at some point to have to make a phone call and, and that will happen. So I hope this helped you out a little bit or at least gave you a bit of an overview of the different ways of communicating. And like I said, I thought it was important to talk about that. And it's something that we don't really think about, but it's something very important. And uh, even now thinking about it, the whole post that I had seen on Instagram was mostly about phone call, text, and email. But uh, there's also the whole social media part that wasn't addressed. And, uh, you know, what about Facebook? What about people that communicate with Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp? All there's a million different apps. And I think uh, the important thing there is is to try to kind of minimize. I, I, I mean, you want a communication to be straightforward and easy to do. So obviously, if you know that the other parents is using mostly Facebook and is always on Facebook and you can use Facebook Messenger, and that's great too. And there's ways, again, to keep history in there too and track things there on Facebook as well. Same thing with most of the other apps. There's always ways to use that. I guess you just have to make sure that if you want to use that as a communication channel, that both parents use it and agree to use it too. Also, I try, again, that's my personal uh, my personal thing, but I try to use try to use the same channel of communication. I know some people sometimes it's all over the place, right? Sometimes uh, you get a text on Facebook Messenger. Uh, the next day you get a text. The next day you get uh, an email, and the next day you get uh, a message on WhatsApp, and and now there's a bunch of other applications. So it gets a bit confusing, and I know people can get frustrated very easily. And also the information it becomes way too complicated you know, checking everywhere for that. So I think maybe best part of the discussion initially is like, what's the preferred method of communication? I think that would be good to kind of settle that down and say, okay, you know what? And maybe even what I discussed about before, just sitting down with uh, your ex and say, okay, let's agree on this. I'll call you if there's an emergency. Uh, if not, let's talk over text or even email. At least that's kind of settled and, and there's no surprises there and messages that you miss because you are not looking at this or that. I know there's notifications everywhere, but if you're like me, who has pretty much all my notification off, I think it's something important to do. And Facebook too, I think the good thing is, I mean, for example, Facebook, but there's other, it could be Twitter, it can be any other social media. Uh, one thing I would recommend too is obviously to talk in private message and to kind of avoid the public discussions on, on the walls and things like that. And some people like that. Uh, that might be a bit hard for people to communicate over there. And and if there's any problems or anything, I think to bring it up to private messages is probably the best way. I've seen a lot of things on Facebook, and I'm sure you all seen a lot of stories and things and people complaining and arguments and people putting their dirty laundry over there. I'm sure that you've seen it all. You know, I think the best way is uh, to talk privately and even if you're frustrated and sometimes, you know, we can't believe whatever was said. One thing to keep in mind is once it's public or when it's out there on Facebook or whatever and, you know, on social media, it's there. It will not go away. You can delete your post. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> but some people have seen it. Some people would have 
maybe taken screenshots or anything. So it's out there. So that's why you have to be very careful on that. I won't spend too much time on social media. That could probably be a different separate episode on that. Uh, <laughs> social media and divorce and separation and how uh, you know how it's used. Because again, I see it more and more on there. And sometimes it's like people are getting married and people are going out and you see their status changing changing on Facebook. But uh, recently, uh, the past couple of years, I've seen a lot more of people getting divorced and that also posted on Facebook. So that's kind of interesting or not necessarily, you know, changing your status to divorce, but your status also is not married anymore. <laughs> so pretty much the same thing. So that's another thing that that people do. So I think that's it for this week. So I wanted to say to all of you all there, there's a couple of uh, episodes I'm working on and I would probably need the help of uh, you all out there. I'm trying to come up with some new interesting topics. And if you can keep in touch on the website and also on Instagram, you'll see like what's coming up and also how you guys can maybe uh, help me and maybe even be part of one of the shows here too. There's a couple of interviews I'm planning to do and definitely would love to have you on as well. Also, maybe at some point doing some kind of a live episode. I think I mentioned that at the beginning of the year or that would be fun to have a couple of people there and just chat. So if you're up to it, let me know. If something that's interesting, I would love to schedule something like that. We can talk more. So that said, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as always, if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to reach out to me at thedivorce.diaries at gmail.com. Just send me an email. You see, preferred way of communicating for the podcast. You could send me a text too if you had my phone number, but I think email is great. You can also go on my website on www.thedivorce.diaries.com. And there's forums there too that you can have questions. I tried to put that in. So if ever uh, any of you want to discuss some topics you can go on there but also in the contact me page you can send me a, a comment or question or whatever email through that you can also do it through the contact page and there's also a, an option to uh, send a voice message if you want to a voicemail if you use that i'll get the voicemail on my side you can go on instagram the divorce.diaries you'll see like i'm would say pretty active but i would say active on there and i can be reached through that uh, easily and I also have my Twitter account and the divorce.diaries and a Facebook page if you're interested as well. So I'm pretty much everywhere. So if you need to reach me, there's no excuse. You can use one of those ways. So I hope you have a great week and hope uh, you stay safe. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye bye.